This is uh, our last class on Sunday morning, and uh, one of the reasons for it is because we want to give more time to our early service to uh, be able to have an altar service longer if they need to, and so forth. So this will be our last Sunday school class. We'll be teaching on Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights on a pretty regular basis there. And uh, so this will be our last Sunday morning class. And uh, it is also our last lesson on the book of Revelation that we have been in for the last six months. And so there should be handouts. Uh, or if you've gotten handouts, should be handouts given to you at this time. And uh, just, I got a, a little curtain here in front of me. And I think I, yeah, this is one of the tables got curtains on both sides. So uh, I'm going to uh, get into the word of God here this morning. And uh, I want to pick up a little bit where I left off last week. And uh, talk about some things here that's going to wind up our uh, chart that we were talking to you about, the understanding of the resurrection. And I know you've got your handouts, and we're going to be following the chart you've got there, but this is uh, the one that we're going to be referring to. If you look at what was being handed to you, And most of you have gotten one of these. We've had these out a couple of weeks ago. I'll refer to it in just a moment here. Pull this over a little closer. And uh, if you look at your papers that's in your hand now that's been passed out to you, if you notice, you understand the resurrection, the conclusion, and then the, the three categories of people. Now, three categories of people are mentioned in Revelations 22 11. 22:11, and that's where it says that it speaks about the holy, righteous, the unjust, and the uh, and the filthy, wicked. It speaks about three different classes of people, but it names the two that's in the wicked categories: unjust and filthy. We talked about that last week, and I won't go into detail on it. Only to say that at the end of the of the world, there's three classes of people. Most people think that it's either Holy Ghost or hell. Is either saved or not saved. You know, you're either saved or you're going to hell. Everything else is going to hell. It's not like that. It's not that simple. God is a very just God. And uh, he would judge all people by their works, the Bible talks about. And it brings all that out in the word of God. But I'm going to follow the chart here very quickly here. And I think I'm just going to, I'll refer to a few scriptures as we go along here just to make sure that we all understand it well. But uh, this is a man on the face of the earth here. And uh, there's the holy, the righteous, and the wicked, whatever category that we might be in. God alone knows that. And uh, when we die, our spirit and our soul goes back to God who gave it. Our spirit and soul and our body is buried in the ground. From dust we came, dust we shall return. That's the flesh, the body. The spirit and the soul, however, goes back to God. The Bible says that we are... We are body, soul, and spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And then over in, in, in Ecclesiastes 12.7, also Ecclesiastes 3.21, it says that our, our spirit goes back to God who gave it. It goes back to God who gave it whenever we die and so forth. And Paul in a few places referenced also that 
he would just soon go on and be with the Lord, meaning that his soul would be with God if he died right today. His soul or spirit would be with God. The soul is the individuality of yourself. That's who you are. You're a, you're a soul. You're a person. You're a being. Your spirit is the life that's in that being. It's the life from God. Anything that's spirited is lively. And uh, so and then, of course, over in Second Thessalonians, it teaches us that uh, the soul that the soul and the spirit goes to paradise, goes to paradise as a place of divine where we are. We are there until the resurrection. And we don't know anything about it. Paul talked about it. He was stoned to death one time at Lystra in the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, from there he was uh, brought back to life. And he talked about this later on when he was talking about it in 2 Corinthians. So forth. now if, you were, if we are the wicked here, we are the wicked, our soul goes to hell. Jesus talked about that. He said that, you know, you go to hell, it's better to lose an arm or a hand or a foot or an eye or something than to go to hell and be in the flames and in the torment there. Also, Lazarus and the rich man, the illustration that Jesus gave there, where that the rich man went to hell and he looked up and he wanted just because of the fire and the heat, he wanted uh, Lazarus just to touch some water and touch it to his tongue. And he also said to Abraham, if, if he could go and tell my brother, don't live wickedly because this is a terrible place to come to, and so forth. And uh, so that's just an illustration here of the literal fact that there is a hell. Hell is mentioned up many times in the Bible, and I won't go into more detail. So we know from that that when we die, the, uh, the holy and righteous go to a place called paradise. It used to be called Abraham's bosom, called paradise in the New Testament. And in the, uh, in the in the wicked go to hell to await the resurrection, to await the resurrection. Now, the resurrection is mentioned extensively. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. He rose from the dead, and he had a glorified body whenever he rose. He had a resurrected body on this earth where we could look at him. He could appear and disappear and come and go. And then uh, Jesus would, uh, when he... When he ascended into heaven, <clears throat> after he had been seen by all of his disciples, uh, he ascended into heaven and was glorified. And when he was glorified, his body became very luminous. And the natural eye could not look upon him unless he allowed that to happen. You understand what we're saying here? John, you know, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. And he's brighter than the noonday sun and so forth. John saw him on the Isle of Patmos when he wrote the book of Revelation. And he said he was like a, uh, he fell at his feet as a dead man. It was overwhelming. That's the glorified body that Jesus Christ had. Now, we which are holy because of the Holy Ghost in us, the Bible said, if that spirit that was in Christ dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. Quicken your mortal body. And it says that we are his through the Holy Ghost. We belong to him. So the Holy Spirit is very essential and very necessary for us to have that we might be able to go in the rapture. Praise the Lord. Being baptized in Jesus' name is the right way to be baptized so that we might be ready to, we are in him. He, we are in him. He is in us. He's in us with the Holy Spirit. We are in him in baptism. Praise the Lord. Now, there's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. 
So when Matthew 28, 19 says, go into all the world baptizing in the name, it doesn't say N-A-M-E-S, names. It says name, one name, in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus is the name of the Son. We know that. And so if that's his name, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name, then the name of the Father is Jesus. Now, the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost, are not three separate distinct persons. They are manifestations of the one God. All through the Old Testament, God is one. Here is the Lord our God is one Lord. He's only one God, but he can make himself to be the Father. He can make himself. He can manifest himself because he is God. He can manifest himself to be Father. That's why uh, Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulders. He should be called Counselor, the Mighty God. And we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son born now. He should be called the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Mighty God, yes. Uh, the Everlasting Father, the Father also, yes, yeah. And, uh, and the Prince of Peace, he's everything. That's why in the 14th chapter of St. John, Jesus you know, said to them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Stephen said, uh, uh, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. He said, Philip, have I, have I been so long time with you and you have not known me? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've known me, you've known the Father. I'm, I am he. I'm, he. I'm it. So when you're baptized in Jesus' name as the apostles were, and the only way they ever baptized in the book of Acts, the only way, you can search it all out, Acts 2.38, Acts 10.46, Acts 10.48, Acts 19.5. That's the way they all baptized, all the, the 12, including Paul and all of them. They baptized in Jesus' name. And Jesus' name, praise the Lord, is the way to be baptized. Amen. I'm just throwing all that out for free. Amen. God bless you. Love you people. Amen. So that will put us in the rapture. The dead in Christ shall rise for us. The corruptible must put on incorruption. That means that the spirit that is in us, the soul and spirit, will reunite with the body. This is hard for some people to figure this all out because we die all kinds of ways. But God knows how to do that. That body will not come forth a body like it was buried, but it will come forth a new body as a glorified body. It will simply be changed. And that we will be the corruptible, that is, the, that is dead. It's not the soul and the spirit that's corruptible. It's the dead, the body. The corruptible shall put on incorruption. And the Bible also says that the, the mortal shall put on immortality. In First Thessalonians it says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet them in the air. So the dead are caught up first and then the alive in Christ at the rapture. All of it in the air to meet Christ in the air. When Jesus comes back for his church, he doesn't come back to the earth. He comes back in the, in the air in the clouds. We rise and meet him in the air and so shall we. So in that fashion shall we be with the Lord. We'll be with him in the air from that time on. And then the world will go into a tribulation period. We will be with the Lord and we'll be going to the holy city. And the tribulation period will take place on the earth. It's called the, the book of Revelation. It's all about that. The judgments of God will fall. All the things that we're seeing developing and begin to take shape today will happen then. Folks, the world's going to be a terrible place to live in. By the time you get to the ninth chapter of the book of Revelation, half the world population will have been killed. And so I'm just telling you here, you want to be in the rapture. Don't play around with God. This is not the time to play around with the Lord. 
Not only that, you never know when you could you go out here and get in a car accident and die. You don't know. We don't know. Or you be, you come down sick and afflicted, or you know, and we, we, none of us know that. But besides that, the coming of the Lord is so near. At my age, I still know that I can live to see the coming of the Lord because Jesus' coming is that near. It's a time of two things. God is going to have a great revival in these last days, a great revival to win a lot of people back, win a lot of people back to the Lord and a lot of people to the Lord that's hungry for God. And also, amen, is getting ready to come back himself for his church. So it's time, praise the Lord, and the church needs to really be focused on these end days and love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Don't let the world suck you into that. All of that stuff out in the world and stuff. For I don't know how many of you did with <laughs> This is so funny. I don't know how many of you did without the television for three days, Monday, Tuesday. Don't raise your hands. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know. But a lot of, a lot of us did, I know. I didn't look at it. Boy, that was a relief, too. I mean, I didn't look at it for a week, really, and I didn't even miss anything. It was just a bunch of stuff I was hearing all about. But I came to church on Wednesday night, and Brother Green got up and gave us a report on what all was happening in the world out there. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was looking at each other. They, well, I guess we we're finding out what's going on out there, you know, because he doesn't know we were fasting. The, the media as well as food, you know, we were doing both. Well, praise God. Let me move on here. And at the end of the tribulation period, there's going to be a thousand years of peace. We talked about that last week. And, uh, and then there's going to be a white throne judgment in which God will judge everybody who has ever lived on the face of the earth. Now, uh, if you look at, uh, I'm going to move down. Uh, I move down to number two here in A on your charts, your chart in your hand. Number two, A. If I got, is this something else? Okay. I know they're doing stuff on the internet as well. Uh, did I just change or what? Or did I bump something? All right. Just a minute. He'll have me. This thing got so many buttons on here. You just touch them and they go. Do this. While he's figuring that one out, I'll just move on a little further here. But we're talking up here about the, uh, the white throne judgment of God. And that's found, of course, in Revelations 20.11. If you'll turn to Revelations 20.11 with us, if you would, please. And uh, I'm going to read these verses of scripture here to you. 20.11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it with whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw the dead everybody see that this is the white throne judgment the church had already been raptured away uh in revelations uh, 26 it says that blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection that's the rapture blessed and holy the holy go in the first resurrection the rest of the, then the fifth verse says, the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were through or finished. And so that was the fifth verse there in that 20th chapter. I'm just quoting it here. Now I'm going here to this uh, scripture that we're on in 20 and 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
In other words, our name has to be in the book of life. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Now, we're talking about this white throne judgment right here. And I'm quoting scriptures here that's found in Revelations here, 2011 through 15. And I'm in verse 12. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books of life according to their works. Everybody's worked it. Nobody is judged by faith here. It's all works. Now, verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in them, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And then, and then finally down in verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> so this describes it. Now, I'm jumping over here to 21.8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So this is another confirmation here that the wicked are cast into hell. And then, of course, when that happens, even, I mean, into in the lake of fire and even hell itself is cast into the lake of fire. It's all there. What's the difference, Brother Myers? This is the jail. This is the penitentiary. Does that makes sense to you? Yeah. All right. You're put here temporarily. And then at the end, after the judgment, after you go before the judge, you know, that's the God, Jesus Christ, uh, you will be then cast, you'll be judged, whether you'll be righteous or you'll be wicked either way. And so the judge, not, not hell. If you go to hell, God knows what you are, and it'll be, you'll be cast out here. Now, let me move on here with some of these other things that I want to mention to you, especially the part here about uh, the, I mentioned this to you about John 5, 28 and 29. This is the scripture that speaks about the Lord separating the sheep from the goat. And he said, I'll put the sheep on my right hand, the goats on my left hand. I'm going to read that verse of scripture because it's a very, uh, it's a very simple verse. Now, I won't get to that. I won't, I won't go back. I think my time is more limited. I want to get to some other things. But it, it mentions about the white throne judgment where God will separate the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left-hand side, and so forth. And then he'll separate them. Uh, then also in Matthew, Matthew we talked about, where Matthew where he said he separates the wicked from the righteous. The righteous he puts on his right hand, the wicked he puts on his left hand. Matthew records it in this fashion. And he says, the Lord will say to those that are on my, on my right hand, the righteous, he'll say, enter into my presence, my spirit, my love, my grace, my goodness. And they said, well, why are you being so good to us? And why are we righteous? Because you have been kind to my people and you have been good to other people. You have just been good in all the way around measure. You've been a good person. And so they are said righteous. They didn't even know they were that righteous there will be other people that'll be wicked he'll say depart to my left and go into the judgment and fire and they'll say when were we wicked and he'll say when you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you didn't do that you know and so forth let me say this folks god is a very just god if we have the privilege to know the lord and be saved be filled with his spirit be baptized in his name what a privilege that is and we'll be in that first resurrection a thousand years before the white throne judgment ever takes place. We'll be in that resurrection, that rapture that's coming up. 
And I'm just telling you that to say this, that this is the greatest thing in the world. And we'll also sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all of the holy people of the Old Testament. We'll all be together in that group. And God has allowed that for us. But there are people in the world that live and die that were not mean people. And God is a just God. He's not just mean because they didn't get to hear the gospel. I understand that in the country of India, for instance, right now, in the country of India, it's so large that half of the population has never even heard the name of Jesus. Now, that's what I've heard by missionaries. They haven't even heard the name of Jesus. How can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard the name of Jesus? They don't even know who he is, you know. And I know it's our responsibility to reach the world, but the world keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, and uh, so forth. But God is a just God. So God will judge righteously at the white throne judgment, and he is the judge. He is the judge. So we leave it there in his hand, and he will judge everyone that's ever lived. And the Bible said the wicked will go to hell, and then the, the righteous will then go to the new earth. Now look in Second Peter 2, 3, uh, 3.13. 2 Peter 2, 2 and 3.13. And uh, I'm going to read it very quickly here. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise... Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. A new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So here's a scripture that tells us about the new earth. I'm going to read another verse of the scripture found to you in Isaiah 65, 17. 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. This is not a new concept with God. This was God's plan from way back in the Old Testament. I will create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Uh, while you're there in Isaiah, that's the, the 65th chapter. If you'll just uh, go over to the next chapter in Isaiah, 66, 22. This is only three verses from the end of Isaiah. Of Isaiah. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which, will, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. So the Lord, praise the Lord, is going to be righteous to those who are righteous. And he will create the new heavens and the new earth. And, of course, they give a scripture on that. Uh, I want you to look at Revelations 22, 1 and 5. Revelations 22, 1 and 5. Praise God. Look at 22, 1 and 5. Let's see. I'm going to skip that verse because I got some others I want to get to. This is uh, it's just more of the same. Also, I got Isaiah 26. I want you to go with me. Let me uh, bypass that one because we've already covered it. I want you to go with me to Revelations 21. 21, one. I want to get into this subject here of the new of the newer of the uh, of the holy city here. There'll be a new earth. Look at 21.1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I'm jumping down to verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new, and he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, uh, it is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give to him that is a thirst of the water of life freely. 
He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son, and so forth. And he describes all of these wonderful, lovely things. And then it mentions, it starts talking about the new earth here as well. Now, I want you to uh, look at verse 21.2 right quickly. 21.2, I'm jumping back, and then I'm going to go into this next section here that I want to talk to you about. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And we're going to talk about that. Look at verse 9 real quickly. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now he's going to talk to us about what we are going to inherit, which is before the thousand years of peace, the holy. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Okay. Now, let me confirm this a little bit with you on other scriptures about the holy city. Uh, I'm backing up here to Revelations chapter 3 and verse 12. 3 and 12. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. He shall no more go out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The city. Praise the Lord. Which is New Jerusalem. Underline New Jerusalem if you have your Bible. New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm confirming that with what's over here in Revelation. It's mentioned over here as well. Come down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my my new name. So these are scriptures here that's letting us know that these are scriptures that talk about the new heavens, the new earth, I mean the the holy city. Uh, Look in Hebrews 11.10 for a moment. I got you jumping around a little bit, but I want to show you here how many places this is mentioned about the holy city. This is Hebrews 11.10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. This is talking about Abraham. If you back up to verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went. And then the Bible, verse 10 says, And for he looked for a city. Did you know that? When Abraham was on earth and he traveled around over Canaan's land, He looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. It wasn't a man-made city. He knew that there was a city of God that would be somewhere. And he looked for that. And one day he'll dwell there, just like we will. And we walk with God and we have to keep his spirit. Praise the Lord. He looked for a city. So I'm giving you here some scriptures here in relation to all these things. Uh, Let me show you another verse of scripture. This one is found in Hebrews This is still Hebrews 12 and 22, 12, 22. But you're come unto Mount Zion. Thank you. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Talking about us. Now, Paul is writing here to the church. And he said, this is what our hope is. And this is where we're going. An innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly of the church of the firstborn and so forth. Excuse me. And then he goes on to say here in, uh, in Galatians, I'm going to read this one more verse. In Galatians uh, 4 and 26. But Jerusalem, 
which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. When he said above, he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. So do you understand? We're not talking about Jerusalem and Palestine here. We're talking about that heavenly city that God has said that will come down out of heaven to us. Now, I want to go back to Revelations chapter 20, uh, 1, and I want to go to uh, verse 11. We're talking now about the holy city that's come down out of Jerusalem. We're getting more in detail here because this is where I'm going to pick up here in your lesson where it says the holy city. And I uh, named off several scriptures there. Look under A in your handouts that I gave you. This is the holy city. Uh, I have it here, but I don't want to mess up the chart. I think we can do that now. I think we pretty well. I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to put it right here because this is this is the part that we're talking about right in here. We're talking about the holy city here now. And this is the handout that we gave you here. And uh, we're talking about the holy city here. Now, I want to go to A here. It will have 12 gates. Everybody with me on this? Now, stay with me from here on out for the first 15 minutes. I'm going to talk about the holy city. This is where I told you last week that I was discouraged one time and I read this passage of scripture in here. And it was really an encouragement to my heart at that time. It lifted my spirit because God has something great for his people, folks. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither hath it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to talk to you here about these things here from the scriptures here as we look at them here at this time. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want you to look at verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light. I'm talking about the city now coming down from heaven above. Verse 10. Verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious. Even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. I don't know how to describe that because I'm not into jewelry. But I know there are valuable stones in this world and there's only a few of them. I mean, few in the sense of many of many kinds of rocks, but there's only a few of those. But they're very valuable and very expensive. And it describes this city as being of this nature. And it goes on to say in verse 12, and it had a, a wall great and high and it had 12 gates. And at the gates were 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 apostles, tribes of the children of Israel. So on every gate was a name of the 12 tribes of Israel. One was, you know, one was Judah, one was uh, Simeon, one was Gad, and it goes on and on, the 12 tribes of Israel. And each gate had a name of the, one of the children of Israel on it, which means that this also is inclusive of the holy that it were the Old Testament in Abraham's time and after Abraham, so forth. And it's, it mentions about them. There'll be 12 angels at every gate. And we'll talk more about the gate in a few moments. It goes on to say here in verse 14, and the wall of the city, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. The wall had 12 foundations. We'll talk about the wall in just a moment too. But I won't talk about the foundation to the wall had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, who are the 12 apostles of the Lamb? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Let me, uh, let me get you over here. I think it's Matthew. Look at Matthew 10. 
Matthew 10. I'm going to pick up in verse 1 here. And uh, I've got it in your notes there as well. 10, 1 through 5, I think I've got it in your notes. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, notice that. These were disciples. Disciples are those who are called and they're students. But apostles are those who are sent. And so when he had called unto him the 12 disciples, he gave unto them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. And now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first was Simon, who is also called Peter, Andrew, his brother James, uh, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, or the tax collectors he was, uh, James, his son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, who was surnamed Thaddeus, Simon, the, uh, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. He was the one that betrayed the Lord, and he lost his place with God, who also betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent forth, these 12, and commanded them, saying, go forth, and so forth. So these were then apostles. Verse 2, now he names the names of the 12 apostles are these. So they were apostles. Now, I'm going to go from there over to chapter 1 of the book of Acts, one thirteen. This is when they were in the upper room just before the Holy Ghost came. And they were going to try to decide on somebody to take the place of Judas's carry by casting lots and the names who they were, all the disciples that were there. And the names the same ones. And when they were come in, they, were up, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotus and Judas, the brother James, Judas is Thaddeus. Same with brother, the brother. It does not name is carried, of course. And then they went on and they cast numbers and everything and they chose somebody and they called him Matthias. And Matthias was chosen as being the seventh. But this was done by the apostles before they had received the Holy Ghost. Now, it's my personal belief that Paul was the one that God called to be the 12th one to take Judas's carriage place. And there are numerous verses of scripture concerning that about Paul. I'm going to read this verse of scripture here to you very quickly. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles. And there were the book of Romans, First First Corinthians, Second Thessalonians. I mean, I mean, Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, not Philippians, but Colossians. Of all of those books, start out by saying, "I, Paul, you're the apostle." If I were to go to the first chapter here, for instance, I'll go to Second Second Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and the way it starts out, all of these letters start out by saying, "Paul." an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Paul termed himself an apostle. Now here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, but because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Praise the Lord. I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words, I'm not worthy of it, but I'm, but anyhow. And then he goes on to say, uh, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. So Paul even states that uh, in his writings here about his him being an apostle. 
He also speaks about it in Romans eleven thirteen. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I magnified my office. So he's talking about uh, the Gentiles being, of course, belonging to the Lord and so forth. This is what he says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8. Two, and I know I'm going fast for you guys. Thank you for being so patient with me. Galatians 2 and 7. But contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcised, that's the Gentiles, was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision, that's the Jews, was unto Peter. Notice that. For for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Okay, so he's just identifying himself as the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was, I think, and so when you have the 12 foundations with their names written on it, it is my personal opinion that Paul was the 12th one that was put there. Praise the Lord. And there are other scriptures, too, that I could elaborate on, and I won't take your time. But I want to move on here. I want to point out some things here. So I'm going to uh, back to Revelations 21 and verse uh, 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the name of the 12 apostles and so forth. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 16. And the city lieth four square. Four square is a cube. Everybody with me? It's like it's a cube. Four square. And here's what it says. And the length it is the length is the breadth and the measure of the city and the reed 12,000 furlongs. That's 1,500 miles, 12,000 furlongs, in case you want to know, it's 1,500 miles. It was a 1,500 miles cube. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Uh, 1,500 miles would be like from here to the Canadian border. Just one. Then if you took a line and went straight west out from there, uh, if you go out to about the middle of Montana. You took Montana and went south, you'd come along about New Mexico, and then from New Mexico back over here, that's about 1,500 miles square. And then it would be straight up 1,500 miles that high. That's how big the city would be. And it would be on, uh, the, uh, be on a foundation. The walls would be built on the foundation of the city. And then it goes on to describe the city. And look very closely with me at it. I'm going to finish this up because I've got some good things to show you here. Uh, that's a huge city. And he measured a wall thereof. Let me jump down here. And he measured a wall thereof. 40 and 40. I won't get into the measurement. Look at 18. Look at 18. Verse 18. I'm at 21, 18. And the building of the wall was of jasper. And the city was pure gold. Everybody say pure gold. gold. Like unto clear glass. Think about that. Wow. And the foundation of the city, of the wall, now we're talking about the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones. That means the foundation, that foundation that was there, that, that the name back to the apostles, it was like sapphire and it was, uh, it was jasper and some, something I can't pronounce. The fourth is emerald, uh, sardin. Uh, barrel, uh, topaz, as these precious stones. I don't even know what their names are. I don't even know about them. Anyhow, it was just spotted with these jewels, this, this foundation was. Look at verse 21. 
And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Now look at this one very closely. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every pearl gate, every several gate was of one pearl. That means several means severed. So each gate was a pearl. And it was as though a pearl had been severed or divided. Of course, the gates are always divided. So it's like this. Here's the pearl. And it was opened. So you got a severed pearl and everything. And so each gate was like a pearl. And it was severed in that fashion. And uh, so the gates were like pearl. And the city that's in the street of the city was pure gold. And it was transparent glass, the street. Like transparent glass gold. Think about that, folks. I mean, there's, there is not enough gold in the earth to even begin to decorate, even begin to make this city. It's just God just made it. Look at verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. The glory of God? Yes. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth were without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Didn't he say that? Let there be light. God creates light without the sun. And that was, that's, I'm, I was quoting there Genesis no, 1, 1, 1, maybe 1, 1, 1, 2. And it's way over in about the 14th verse until the fourth day that the sun was made. I mean, the, the, the light from the sun came forth. It was made in about the second or third day, uh, second and third verse. But in the light from the sun didn't come forth until way over until the fourth creative day. So that was light before the sun even came forth. So God doesn't need the sun. We need the sun. He made this earth perfect for the human body that was on this earth and designed it especially perfectly for us, folks, for us. But when it's all over with for us, God is going to have something very special and the holy city will be the light to the new earth. Those that will be on the new earth, they will live forever on the new earth, just like Adam and Eve was designed to live on. They will be the righteous. But you and I will have a special place with God and we will be able to come and go. Now, will the new earth be on the earth? I don't know. Will it be just above the earth or will it be way up there above the earth? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just want to be there. Praise the Lord. I want to walk streets of gold. Amen. And one fellow said, I want to hear those pearly gates click on my heels when I walk through those pearly gates. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you here what a great hope that you and I have and all of this. Now, uh, there's a question here that I have at the very bottom here of your lesson. Will New Jerusalem actually be pure gold or pearl or jewels? Pearl and jewel. Will it really be that if it's a spiritual, a heavenly city coming down? And here's the answer to that. The answer is right below it. If it isn't it, it will be something better. Remember that. Because the most valuable substance on the earth are used to describe the holy city. You understand what I'm saying? So is it really going to be gold, Brother Myers? You know what? I don't really care. If it's pure gold, transparent glass, if it's, if it's not that, somebody said, oh, it'll be a spiritual city. It won't be. We'll have a spiritual body. We'll be like angels. I know. I know. Will it really be gold? If it is, it won't matter. It'll be like concrete to us if it is gold, you know, transparent glass. But it might be. But it might be. Whatever. 
The same question could be asked about hell, the lake of fire. Is it really going to be fire, Brother Myers? Is it really going to be a lake of fire? If it's not, it's something worse. Because the worst thing is described to describe the lake of fire or hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. But God has something very special for his people and he loves his people. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that we are his? Praise the Lord. Remember next week now, we're not having Sunday school anymore in my class because they want to have more time for the morning service. I think it's a great idea. I'll be teaching on, on, on Wednesday, the following Wednesday, as you well know. Let's all stand and let's just praise God and give him the thanks here today for his goodness to us. God is so good. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus.